we've been talking about a new season. We've talked about the foundation. We've talked about our core values. Last week, we talked about excellence. We talked about how important that it is to do things with excellence because we believe that it's putting valuable quality. It's showing what's important to us when we do things with excellence in our lives and as a church. Amen? And, and this week... I want to start off by talking about, you know, how people have big dreams and they have big ideas and they have big things that, that, that they think of and that they want to share with everybody. And a lot of times whenever you hear a pastor say, hey, I want to share a, a series about vision and I want to talk to you about vision, you think it's just going to be all of these big dreams and all of these big plans and all of these things. But we've just been focusing on what's really important. We've been trying to clarify as a body what is important. But people like to talk about big dreams, about what could be, and there's nothing wrong with that or what I see down the road, because that's something that everybody could get excited about. Because let me tell you, as a pastor, I do see big things for our church, and I do have great visions and great dreams for Word of Grace. And the things that God has put in my heart span beyond just numbers of members and sizes of offerings and facilities. Amen, somebody. We got great things to do. You, I, I see us raising up and sending out missionaries like Vivek and Darla from our church. I, I see us reaching out to our area and meeting needs and showing the love of God. I see us ministering in a huge way to children and to teenagers. I see us reaching out to young adults and to those who don't know God and those who have been disconnected from him and from the church. I see our church teaching family values from God's word that is going to help us to be better parents, better spouses, better children. I see us loving and valuing the elderly and reaching out to those who may feel alone, hurting, or rejected, helping the addicts become free, seeing lives changed, and seeing the ministry of Word of Grace expanding even beyond our county and doing great things for God. But as great as these things are, and as much as I could spend hours and hours talking about the dreams that God has put in my heart, before we move any further this morning, I'm going to pose this question, and I want you to write it down because it's the title of my message, and I believe we need to answer this question before we move any further, and that is, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter. Genesis, Exodus, page 81. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Moses answered, he's talking to God here, and he said, but suppose that they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So here we see Moses in a conversation with God and he's questioning the fact that God has called him to do something great. He's questioned the fact because every time that you tend to question, and I tend to question doing anything great or significant for God, we always look within the realm of our own abilities. And that's what Moses was doing. He's going, in my, in my own ability, I, I can't do this. Suppose that I meet some opposition. Well, how many of you have been saved long enough, you've been Christians long enough to find out you're going to meet opposition? That's just part of the deal, man. And you got to learn how to deal with it. You got to learn how to walk in faith and trust God. But Moses, he's still going, well, suppose they don't listen to me. I mean, suppose you messed up, God. That's really, in essence, what Moses was saying. Suppose you messed up. Suppose you picked the wrong guy, God. Now, do we believe that God makes mistakes? Absolutely not. He doesn't make mistakes. So if he told Moses to do it, then guess what? He can do it. 
because God is going to enable him to do it. But here's the thing. Moses said, suppose they say this. Suppose they come and say, well, the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses, you are just crazy. You've been out in the sun too long. You've been out in one of these hot Wisconsin days. You've been out in the sun too long. And suppose they say the Lord hasn't appeared to you. Check this out. Verse 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, a rod. It's just a stick. It's, it's just a rod. What? That's the weirdest question you've ever asked me, God. What do you mean, what's in my hand? And he said, cast it on the ground. And so he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses said, this is really freaky, so he ran away from it. Just like anybody who throws something on the ground and it turns into a snake. I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. And then God's going to take this thing and say, what's in your hand? Throw it down the ground. Ah, I'm going to run away. Moses ran away. But then in verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, now reach out your hand and take it by the tail. What? You already made this stick a snake. This is freaky. Now I'm supposed to grab it by the tail? What are you talking about? You see, catch this. Moses cast this thing that, that he, he had in his hand down on the ground, and it turned into something that Moses was afraid of. And then God then tells Moses, reach down and grab that thing that you're afraid of. He said, reach down and grab a hold of that thing that you're afraid of, and watch, now, now watch what I'm going to do with it. You're still afraid because it's, it's a serpent, but you're going to obey God, and you're going to trust him. <laughs> this is crazy. I never grabbed the snake before. He's looking at it. He reached down, and he, whoo, and he grabs it, and it turns back into a rod. The very thing that Moses was afraid of, God told him to reach out and grab it. Hello, somebody. Verse 5. He said that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. This is why I've done this. I want you to know that this is really me. I want you to know that you really do have something great to do. But he said, what is in your hand. Did you know that God really wants to do something supernatural with our natural? You see, that was the very thing that was in his hand. I want you to write that down. That God desires to do something supernatural with our natural. You see, I believe that God has equipped every person in this room with natural ability. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. He's equipped everyone in this room with natural ability. Every one of you. To a certain degree, we all have natural ability. Some of us have natural ability to do some pretty neat things, you know. Whenever uh, we were playing basketball at, at 180 the other night, you know, I, I saw Norman get in the basketball cages. And he was over there with that natural ability, swishing those free throws. I got in there and... Bong. And then I got in there last week and got pummeled with dodgeballs. You know, some people just have a knack. They have a, an ability. And you look at it, some of us develop those abilities and we work at them. And I remember that whenever I was a teenager, I wanted to dunk a basketball so bad. I, I could taste it. Oh, it drove me nuts. I, I wanted to dunk a basketball. Just, oh. And I was, I've always been a tall kid. And I've been as tall as I am now since I was 14 years old, except I was really skinny. And, uh, and, and I couldn't jump very high. 
So what I did was I began to put weights. I, I bought some ankle weights and I sewed them shut so they wouldn't come out. And, 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 I, and I put them on my ankles and I would go out every day and I would jump up and I would grab the rim every day over and over and over again until I just couldn't do it anymore. And I did that until I could finally dunk a basketball. So who says that white boys can't jump, right? <laughs> I can't anymore, but I could then. You don't believe me? Ask my mom. So... <laughs> But too many times we focus, just like Moses, on our natural ability. We focus on what our natural ability is because you understand that within our natural ability, no matter how great we may become, there's limitations. Everything that's natural, there's limits to it. There's only limits to how far I can go, how high I can jump, how loud I can yell. There's only so many limits to how many things I can do. So Moses is focusing on the natural side. He's looking at the limitations. And a lot of times we're just like that. We focus on what we can't do and we focus on what we don't have. We focus on our limitations. We focus on our past mistakes. We focus on what others have labeled us as, what they've said that we can and cannot do. And we have submitted to those labels. We have submitted to those ideas that others have told us how far in life we can go or what we can or cannot do. And we look at those limits, and we never even think any further than that. We're living inside this box, and it's suffocating the supernatural that God is wanting to do in your life because we're too busy focusing on our limits. We're too busy focusing on what we can't do. Now, I want you to understand that where God is calling us as a church to go, it's going to require faith. Where God is calling you as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a businessman, as a businesswoman. Let me tell you something. It's going to require faith. Because the Bible says that without faith, you can't even please God. It's impossible. So if it's impossible to please God without faith, then that means my life is going to require faith. Where we're going as a church is going to require faith. That means that we have to trust him every step of the way. Somebody say step. Say it again, step. If you've looked at our ministry philosophy, which is posted out here uh, as you walk outside or, or in uh, this area here as you walk outside, uh, you'll see that one of our uh, ministry philosophy, number two actually, is that God leads us in steps, not leaps. And that's what we believe as a church is that God leads us in steps. That doesn't mean the step won't be a leap of faith. But that means that God is going to lead us by steps. How many of you have found out about, by now that God doesn't show you the big picture? He just shows you the step and you're supposed to be obedient in that. Because if he showed you the big picture, you'd get a little too aggressive and a little impatient. And you would want to make something happen that it wasn't time for it to happen. How many of you have ever been through something or you've seen some things happen in your life and once you got to where you were supposed to be or you went through the things that you went through and you're standing on the other side of it, you can look back and go, I see how God was faithful. Anybody like that can identify? Amen. There's a lot of folks that can. We can look back and see, okay, I see how that, that relationship helped me through that. I see how God sent that person, and he never let me go. He never let me fail. He never let me be destroyed. And I, and I could see all through that how God was with me, no matter how difficult the trial may got. Even if I goofed up and made a big mistake, I can see how God still was steering me and gently drawing me back to where I needed to be. But I can't see that a lot of times while I'm in the process. All I can see is the next step that's in front of me. 
And that's why we believe that God leads us in steps and not in leaps. Because we can't focus on those negative things and walk by faith. We can't focus on those limitations and truly walk by faith. It's it's not going to happen. That's the total opposite of faith, is focusing on those negative things, focusing on those limitations, focusing on those negative words and those negative circumstances. Let me tell you something. You can look all around you, and you can start judging and casting down judgment, and you can start making assumptions, and you can start getting involved in gossip and negative speech and start believing all of that junk, and it's going to hinder your faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, how are we supposed to be led and guided and directed? How are our steps supposed to be ordered by the Lord if we're not led and directed and guided by faith, by trust in him when we are too focused on the negatives, when we're too focused on those things? Now, when you focus on negative words or negative things that have happened in your life, it is going to cripple your ability to trust God. Mm-hmm. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16 says this. It says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. You see, whenever we begin to get our eyes off of these things, it says the Bible says that God hates these things. Why? Why why does God hate these things? Because if you read over it and you really think about those things that the Bible says that God hates, he hates it because it hurts his body. It hurts the church. If we're supposed to be grounded and founded and rooted in love, These things are the opposite of love. They're hurting the body. They're hurting the church. We can't walk in faith. Listen to me. Listen close. We can't walk in faith if we're always waiting for someone to fail. Mm. We can't walk in faith if we're always talking bad about others or looking for the wrong in others. We can't walk in faith if we're lying and listening to lies. And always have our ears tuned to the negativity. You can't walk in faith whenever you're focused on that stuff. When we focus on the negative, we can't walk in faith. But it's going to require faith. It's going to require faith to use what God has given us to look and see what is in our hand and to be able to step out with what God has given us instead of looking at what we don't have or, oh, how bad things are in my life or how bad things are in my marriage or I look around and I get discouraged whenever things aren't going my way. Instead of focusing on those negative things that are going to cripple my faith walk with him, I need to do just like Moses did because God is still asking the same question to his body that he was asking to Moses there in the wilderness. What do you have in your hand what have I already given you what have I already equipped you with what have I already told you what can you use that I have blessed you with to walk forward and to focus on something that I have given you and something that you do have and to grow in that he wants us to focus on what we have in our hand we've got to do our part with what we've been given
We've got to do our part with what we've been given. I want to uh, show you this in James chapter 2. Everybody okay today? A few of you, yeah? How's everybody else? James chapter 2 and verse 14 says this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, then what good is it? Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Oh, boy. Some people do that. Some people say things like, oh, well, that's not my gifting. That's not what I'm called to do. I don't feel led to do that. Has anybody, don't raise your hands. Do not raise your hands. Has anybody ever said, I don't feel led to do that? Don't raise your hands. Here's my philosophy on that. A lot of times if you see a need and there's something that, 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 that you can step up and you can do with what God has given you, I tell people, you want to feel led, go get you a number two and sharpen it up real good and rub the end. That's a pencil. <laughs> there's lead inside of a pencil. And if you're touching it, it's lead. People want to feel lead. Everybody Okay. It is still early. You're right. But you know, a lot of times people are still, they're, they're, they're always looking for something just incredible. They're looking for some giant billboard or something to just slap them on the head. Whenever God is simply asking the question, what have I given you? What's in your hand? What can you do with what you have? What can you do with what you have with what I've given you? He said, faith without works is dead. Now, Verse 18, some will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And then James says this, I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe that and they tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith without works, it's, it's, it's no profit, it's useless. You see, we can talk about faith all day long. We can talk about dreams all day long. We can talk about hope all day long. We can talk about all the great things we want to do and all the great things God wants us to do. We can go and search through the scriptures and look and get all excited and pat one another on the back and high-five each other. But if we don't do something with what we have and we're always waiting on God to do it for us, it'll never happen. A lot of times we wait around and just because God said it doesn't mean that it's going to happen if I don't put my faith and trust in him. There's a lot of good things in his word that he wants to do in your life and through your life. But because we won't step out and trust him and use what he has given us and we're always waiting for him to do it for us, we never see the results that God intends for us to see. You see, we've got to use what we've been given. We've got to step up to the plate and we've got to be the men and women of God he's called us to be. We've got to be the church that he's called us to be and we've got to do something with what he's given us and then he will, he will meet us with what he has given us and with what we've done with what he's given us and that faith will do the impossible. You see, I can only do what I can do. 
I can only go as far as I can go in my own strength, in my natural ability. In Moses' natural ability, all he had was a rod. It wasn't much, but it was something. And God took that rod. He took that thing that was in Moses' hand. Whenever Moses released it, then God did something supernatural with it. He said, what do you have? I've got this rod. Look what I can do with something that simple. You think Moses' faith got stirred whenever he saw that simple rod turn into that serpent? You think he said, whoa, this is for real. This is for real. And then he truly began to understand what it means that with God, all things are possible. He began to understand what it means to really trust God now because God had proven himself faithful. Has God proven himself faithful to anybody in this room today? Let me see your hand or say amen or slap somebody. Something, come on. Or all the above. Let me tell you, we've got to do our part with what we've been given. With the rod that's in our hand, with what he's blessed us with. You know, here's what James said, that I can show you my faith by my works, by what I do with what I have. I can show you my faith by my works. This is, this is where a lot of people have a hard time trusting God because they don't use what they've been given. Everybody wants to say prayers like this. We want to say, oh, Lord, bless me with a new car. But we don't take care of the one that we have. And, and, and we don't treat it right. We don't take care of it. But yet we're asking God to give us something new. Oh, God, I want to raise. But we don't show up for time on work. And we don't put our best foot forward and do the type of work that our employer expects us to do and go above and beyond to merit that raise. We just want something for nothing. And we want it to just fall on us. We don't want to do anything. And we have this distorted view of God that that's how he works, that he just lavishes us with all of these blessings and we just sit back and go, boy, ain't it fun to be a Christian? (laughs) If that were the case, every church in town would be packed out. People would be in line to get saved if all you had to do was say a prayer, accept Jesus into your heart, and then just let the blessings roll in. If that's how it worked, this thing would be easy. But the fact that there's opposition, the fact that there's faith that's required, that I have to step out and do something with what has been given to me and be faithful and be a person of excellence, a person that understands what, and what God values and begin to emulate that in my life and I begin to found all of that on love. Whenever I begin to understand that, I begin to walk in that. Then, after I've put that forward, after I've trusted him and I've said, okay, God, I've done my part and I'm gonna be faithful in that and I'm gonna trust you for what I cannot do. That's faith. That's what moves the hand of God. Not our crying, not our sobbing, not our need. It's faith that moves the hand of God. Amen, somebody. You see, a word of grace, we're loving God, we're loving people, and we're serving the world. But for us to maximize our efforts and to walk by faith, we have to use what we have been given and do so with excellence. Amen? So here, here, here's what we can do. We can look around and we can say, okay, God, at word of grace, what have you given us? I look around and I say, he's given us a lot. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree that we're blessed? I look around and I say, God, what, what have you given us? What can we do with what we have? I'm just going to give you one example here of something that we are looking at, something that is going to happen this fall, that I was looking around our church, walking around our church, praying, and something that I saw that we could use and we could utilize. Over here in this corner, 
not this corner right here, outside of this room, over in the 180 game area, there's an area, there's a little stage there, and there was a, a, a video game there. And there was a television up there, there was a projector, there were lights, there was a sound system, all for one video game. And I looked at it and I said, that's a lot of resources for just one video game. So I said, why don't we repurpose that and we can still even do the video game but we can use more of that stuff for a purpose so we took the tv down we put it on a mobile stand and we're already using that aren't we pastor right we're using that on tuesday mornings for the class that he's been teaching and also uses on thursday night we're going to use it more and more it's on a little mobile stand now and we're moving that around and that area over there i just want to tell you uh the god just dropped this in my heart just to call it the corner and uh, Mike Tenaken is, is working tirelessly on uh, making this incredible signage over there. It's going to say the corner over there in this area. And we're going to put some different seating and things like that. It's going to seat about 50 people. And it's going to be a different area where we can have more teaching and more discipleship all throughout the week. And it, it's going to be incredible. And, and I've even given the example before that I may uh, preach a message on Sunday morning and I may not go as deep into a certain area, but I'll say, hey, I'm going to expand on that area at 3 o'clock. Meet me over here at the corner if you want to come and I'll expand on that. And we'll have more discipleship, deeper teaching over there. Also, Grapple's going to be able to use that area, which is our uh, ministry to our, our kind of uh, in-betweeners, between the you know, kids and the teenagers, our preteens. They, they're going to meet over there. Pastor Mike's going to use it at CR and uh, for his 101 class. We're going to be able to use it for our link groups, our small groups that are, uh, we're starting right now but are going to be expanded and we're going to do even greater things with it in the fall. It's going to be a huge focus. We're going to use that area and utilize it. All of that, which has previously just been an area for one video game. Is that not cool? That's using what you have. That's looking and going, what have we been given and doing something with it. That's saying, what do we have in our hand? And that's just one example. And, and I want you to look at your own life. I want you to look at your marriage. I want you to look at your finances. What do I have? Instead of focusing on what I don't, start focusing on what you do. And how can I better utilize it? Amen? Look at our church. What do we have? What has God blessed us with? We can all pray and believe for, for, for bigger and better and just hope that it all works out. Or we can start being faithful and be good stewards over what he has given us and start doing something with what we have. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul puts it like this. Here's a group of folks that were thinking that because uh, uh, they were baptized under Paul, that they were really special, that they sat under Paul's teaching, that they were just the elite. But then there was this other guy that was teaching that was uh, just as good probably as Paul, according to some Bible scholars. His name was Apollos, and we don't hear much about him, but he's mentioned a few times in Scripture. That's just a cool name. If your name is Apollos, I mean, that's just a really cool name. You could say, I'm a disciple of Apollos or Paul. I don't know. Apollos sounds pretty cool. So these guys were arguing and saying, well, I'm more special because I was baptized under Apollos, and he taught me and discipled me. And some people say, well, I'm more special, and I'm more spiritual because I was baptized and taught under the ministry of Paul. And this is what Paul said. He's going, ay, 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 this is nuts. 1 Corinthians 3 and chapter 6, he said, listen, back up to verse 5, 1 Corinthians 3 and 5, he said, who then is Paul, who is Apollos? We're just ministers to whom you believed as the Lord gave grace to each one. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see, Paul recognized that it wasn't about him 
And it wasn't about Apollos. It was about us doing our part. But then there's that part that we can't do. How many of you guys planted a garden this year? Anybody here plant a garden this year? I hope your garden's doing well. It's been kind of dry lately. But if your garden, you know, whenever you go out there and you till up the soil, you can do that. God doesn't have to till up the soil. You do that. You take the seed and you plant it in the ground. You can do that. God doesn't do that. You can water it, take care of it, make sure it, it, it has the right amount of water, the right amount of shade, right amount of sunlight. You can do whatever you can. You, can. you can put extra additives in the soil, and you can do anything that you can do on your part. But you know what the one thing you can't do? You can't make it grow. But you can till the soil. Now, there's different ways to do that. There's different ways to turn the soil. There's different ways to make sure that you have the right nutrients and make sure that you have the right type of soil the right way to water it. Now listen to me. You can do things with excellence. You can do your part with excellence because somebody could just throw seeds out on the ground and somebody could maybe not take care of the soil and not do it as well and they're not gonna have the crop that someone else would have. Now does God, here's what we would do. We'd go, God doesn't like me. No, you didn't do your part, right? You see how simple this is? We, we can look at something natural and understand this biblical principle. We can say, you know, we can't just throw seeds out there and go, well, I did my part, and I don't have my little garden. I'm mad. My neighbor's got a better garden than I do. God must not love me. We must love them. No, 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 no. Understand, they've been faithful with what they've been given. They've utilized what they've been given. They've maximized what they've been given, but they couldn't grow the soil. No matter, I mean, they couldn't grow the crops. No matter how hard they worked at the soil, no matter how hard they worked to plant it just right, they couldn't grow it. Only God could do that. So you understand, some plant, some water, that's our part, but only God can grow it. Only God can bring the fruit. Only God can increase. But we're to be faithful over what he has given us as we look and say, what's in our hand? You see, we can love God, we can love people, we can serve the world, but only God can change a life. We can have great ministries, and great programs, great ideas. We can have great classes, great teachings, great messages, great worship, but only God can change someone's heart. But we have to be faithful with what he's given us to do what he's called us to do and do it with excellence and do it focused on the principles that he's given us and focusing on the values that he's given us and value the things that he values and do it to the best of our ability. And then you step back and watch God do what only he can do. Amen, somebody. So I want us to answer this question this morning. What do we have in our hand? What do we have? I want you to think about that question. Think about it as a, as a part of word of grace here. Think about it as a part of this local church, but also think about it as an individual. Also, I want you to think about it as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a daughter. I want you to think about it as an employee or an employer. I want you to think about it. What, what do I have as a Christian, as a believer, as someone sitting in one of these chairs in this building as we gather together and we call it word of grace, what, what do we have? Because God is saying, I'm going to take what I've put in your hand 
and do something great with it. See, at Word of Grace, here's what we do have. This is what I believe as a pastor we do have. We've got great people. Thank you for that one quiet, (laughs) unsure amen. At Word of Grace, we have great people. Amen. 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 At Word of Grace, we have dedicated people that are ready to move forward and see lives changed for the kingdom of God. We have an amazing staff that I couldn't be more proud of. I think we've got a fantastic team. We've got a fantastic staff here at the church. We've got a fantastic group of people that are leading different areas and different ministries, and I believe in them, and I have faith in every one of them that God is going to do great things and the best is yet to come. Amen? We have loyal and dedicated volunteers that I believe that are the best around. I believe we've got the best volunteers any church in town. Amen. Amen. That's right. I think that we have a unique and amazing facility in our area. Don't you? And this facility is just incredible. You know, sometimes I walk in here and, and I, just, I just get blown away and I'm, I just get taken back. Thank you, God, for blessing us with what you've blessed us with. I know there's been a lot of fundraising and blood, sweat, and tears and hard work that's went into this, and I just got to walk into it, and it's not fair. But I step back and I go, thank you, God. Thank you for those that prayed. Thank you for those that labored. Thank you for those that dreamed and stepped outside of the box because we're setting on ready. God has put this in our hand to do something great. We have great ministries like Celebrate Recovery and Grief Share, 180 for our teenagers and kids on the move and grapple and our link groups that right now that our link groups are our small groups and we've launched kind of just a few this summer but during the fall just hang on because I believe it's going to be awesome in the fall we've got some great plans and some great ideas about connecting us together relationally and taking us deeper in the word through our small groups and uniting us as a church in a greater way amen See, these are the the things that we have, things we've been given. What can we do with that? What can we do with what we've been given? What can we do as a church with what's in our hand? We can plant, we can water, and do it with excellence that's grounded in love and watch God grow it like never before. So I want to ask you this morning, can we unite under this banner of loving God, loving people, and serving the world? And you watch what God is going to do through you and for you. Just watch. Just watch what he's going to do. It's going to be absolutely, absolutely incredible. Let me tell you something. We're going to grow in his word. How many of you have been growing in his word? We're going to continue to grow in his word. We're going to continue to grow in our understanding and our application and and sharing the word of God. We're going to grow in that. Because we want to understand it so we can correctly apply it and share it with others. Amen? I want to grow in that so I can become more confident as a man or woman of God. I want to grow in that. So we are. We're, we're going to grow in the Word. So what we're doing is we're positioning ourselves to be able to do that by using what's in our hand. By using with what we've been given. We're going to grow in victory. Amen. amen. Somebody will slap somebody and say Amen. We're going to grow in victory. How many of you want to grow in victory? We're the stuff you had to deal with last year. You ain't dealing with it no more. 
or the junk that you had to wake up to and the stress and the pressure, you don't have to deal with it because you overcome it and you're walking in a greater degree of victory because you're walking in a greater understanding of who you are in Christ. Walking in a greater degree of freedom. Amen? Amen. I believe we're going to grow in freedom. The chains that have held you bound, the addictions, the things that have have held you back, I believe we're going to grow in a greater degree of freedom. I want to grow that kind of way. Amen? We're going to grow in passion. Where we don't care what anybody thinks about us. Where we can worship God freely. Where we're passionate people about the Word. We're passionate people about serving God. We're passionate people about loving God and loving people and serving the world. We're going to grow in our effectiveness. Amen? And seeing lives changed, seeing people rescued away from the snare of Satan, seeing people's lives completely changed for the kingdom of God. We're going to grow numerically. We're going to grow financially. But more importantly, we're going to grow in love for others. Amen. So uh, let's grow forward, Word of Grace, because it starts with us recognizing what we have and stop focusing on what we don't. Stepping out in faith and trusting that God is going to bring the increase. Amen, somebody. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Perhaps you came to church today and you're hearing this message and it stirs your heart and it makes you want to step out and do something great for God. Or maybe it stirs your heart and lets you know that you're not in the place that you need to be with God. Maybe your heart's been pricked this morning by the truth. Maybe your heart's been pricked in a way that lets you know, I need to get my heart right with God. Or maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, you know what, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to experience that love of God and walk in that freedom that you've been talking about this morning. Or maybe you have accepted Christ in your life, but yet... Maybe you've kind of broken fellowship with him and you haven't been living for him. And you say, you know what, I'm ready to make a real commitment and be very serious with that commitment. If there's anybody like that in this room today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I just want to pray with you. And I just want you to simply let me know that you're here by just putting your hand up and putting it back down. I see those hands. Anybody else? I see that hand. You can put it back down. Any other hands in this place today? This is between you and God, not between you and the person sitting next to you. It's between you and God. Church, would you say this prayer with me today? Say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. You died on the cross for me, and I ask you to forgive me and make me right with you. Help me to walk from this day with you leaving my past behind and moving forward. I'll be the person you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer today for the first time or maybe...